So let's stay right here because we've just been singing. Holy Spirit, come rest on us. So I know traditionally, you're, I don't know who wrote the book, but you're supposed to do this at the end of service, I guess. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to rewrite the book. So this morning, if there is anybody here, if there's anybody that is watching that you haven't made the most important decision that you know, that you know, that you know, that you have given your heart to God, that if anyone were to ask you, who do you belong to, that your answer right away and immediately would be, I belong to God. I am a child of God because I have invited God into my heart. And when I invited Jesus to come into my life and I walked through the doorway of what Jesus did on the cross for me, I entered directly into the Father's love and I am now seated in the heavenly places with him because Jesus Christ lives on the inside of me. And when I did that, the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, I can't explain it. I don't know how. It's by faith. But that Holy Spirit came and started to dwell and live on the inside of me. So if you have not made that conscious decision for yourself at some point in your life, right now, I want you to have the opportunity to make the most important decision that you will ever make. And that is to say, Jesus Christ, come and live in my heart. I give you my heart I give you my life. I don't know what it means, but I'm going to do it by faith because I don't know what my tomorrow looks like, but he does. So I'm going to give him my life and I am going to say, I belong to God. Now here was what I'm going to say. This is the safest and the most celebrated place that you will ever do that. So I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm not going to ask everybody to bow their heads because somehow that gives a connotation that we should keep it secret, that we should keep it private. And God is not to be kept private. He is to be shouted from the rooftops because he is so good. So if this morning... You would like to make that decision for the very first time, or you need to re-solidify that for whatever reason. That is between you and God. Right now, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air. Where is that? All over the auditorium. All over the auditorium this morning. Over here. I see you back there. Yes. Okay. Keep your hands up. Don't put your hands down. Now, for everyone who would say, those of you that have your hands raised, I am with you. I am walking with you. I'm here to love you and support you. And now you're my brother and sister. I want you to shoot both hands up in the air. Who is that? Okay, I don't think you guys understood what I said. I said, we're celebrating those people that just said, I want to be part of the family. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Can you just sing that again? Holy Spirit, when you fill the room, you make my heart move. I like that. It's like a groovy hippie kind of thing. <laughs> Holy Spirit, come rest on us. You're all we want. You're all we want. Come down, come down. Spirit, 
right now. If you need just that fresh encouragement on the inside, I want you just to put your hands on your heart. Maybe for some of you, it's just putting your hands out like this and saying, come give me a gift, God. And for some of you, maybe you just need to splash some fresh Holy Spirit water on your face this morning and just get a refreshing. Maybe you need strength. The Holy Spirit is strength on the inside of you. If you've never felt that strength before, that confirmation that God says, I'm giving you my spirit because he's just so awesome. Just put your hand on your belly right now and just close your eyes. And Holy Spirit, when you fill the room, just Holy Spirit, just fill us up. Encourage us. Just love on us because we're here to love on you, God. It's not weird. It's totally amazing. So just love on him for just a minute. Go ahead, cursed. You're here and I know that you're moving. And I'm here and I know that you feel me come down. Spirit, when you really make my heart pound. When you feel the room, you're here and I know that you're moving. And I'm here and I know that you feel me come down. Spirit, when you really make my heart pound. When you feel the room, fill us up, Holy Spirit. Encouragement. And hope and love. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yes. Can you just begin to tell him, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I love you because you're so awesome and you loved me first. So I give you my heart and I love you with my whole heart, God. Just give him your whole heart. It's the safest place that your heart can be. Is wrapped up in the arms of God. So, Father, we thank you that already miracles have happened in here this morning. How cool is that? God is so cool. He's just the coolest, okay? So, God, we just thank you that already you're moving and you're loving on people. And I want you to know that no matter where you're coming from, no matter where you've been, we love you. And when you walk in these doors, the reason that God brought you here is because he wants you to know that you are celebrated, that you're not just tolerated, that you are loved with a love bigger than you've ever been loved before in your whole life. And it's so good. And he's got such a good plan for you, but I'm giving my message away. So God, we just thank you so much. If there's somebody close by you that you've just been noticing, maybe it's because they have pretty hair, or maybe it's because God is pointing them out to you. Right now, I just want you just to maybe stare at them in the back of the head. (laughs) And just, you know, just say, God, ask, I'm asking you to bless that person this morning. Whatever they need, whatever they came in here that was on their heart or was heavy for them, Whatever they're needing in their life, whatever they're uh, needing direction or wisdom on, I pray, God, that you would fill them up with that in the next several minutes. Give them what they're looking for. Um, Those of you that are sitting up to the front, probably lots of people are staring at the back of your head. Those of you that are in the very back, somebody stare at you in the back. (laughs) Sorry, that was one snort. We'll... Bring it down, okay? God, thank you for what you're doing today and that you're just so good. I love you so much. And we are not 
lowering our expectation, we're raising it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn around and give someone a elbow, whatever is good to you. Just say hi to somebody this morning. Gosh, worship team, you guys are so amazing. Thank you. So good. So, so good. (laughs) All right, here's what I'm going to say. There's one up in the very front up here. You can't see her, but I can. And her energy level is through the roof. So I'm going to say your challenge today is to match Ricky's energy level here on the floor. That's what I'm going to challenge you with. So my name is Lynette. And if uh, you've never heard me before and I've never got to shake your hand before, I like feedback. And if you don't give me feedback or say like, amen, or ouch, or whatever, then I'm going to think that you didn't get it. So I'm going to keep repeating it until I think that you heard me. So if you say something to me the first time, then we'll all get out of here before everybody else does for the buffet. Okay. So that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. Uh, Darren is joining us from Tulsa, Oklahoma. He is there um, helping take care of some family. And if you guys would just stretch, which way is Oklahoma? That way? <laughs> which way? That, that way? Just stretch your hands that direction. And God, we just thank you for our pastor, and we thank you for um, our family in Oklahoma, and we pray peace and wisdom and joy over you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So um, we, how many of you have ever said something and it's come back to bite you in the butt? Yeah. So, okay. I've got a lot of people with me here. So, uh... When our kids were very little, we started from a very young age teaching them scripture and teaching them that when something happened, that we do battle or that we um, fight those feelings with the word of God. And so one of the very first scriptures that we taught our kids that they remembered and that they could get a hold of and grab onto was out of 2 Timothy 1.7. And it very simply says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind or of self-control. So that was, as, as I say that, you can see where that is really applicable to little people. So we taught them that very, very young. Uh, I had taken Riata with me to a women's conference, and it was the very first time that she, if I recall right, it was the very first time that she got to fly. Um, She's 17 years old now, and she is my beautiful girl, and uh, she went with me to this women's conference in Reno, Nevada, and I was one of the speakers there, and so I had gotten her, I got her this little bag that she could carry on the plane. And I told her, you can pack what you want to in the bag to take on the plane to keep you entertained because we're going to be on the plane for, I don't remember what it was that I would use. I think it was um, uh, Winnie the Poohs. We're going to be on the plane for three Winnie the Poohs. So I need you to take 
um, things that will keep you entertained for three Winnie the Poohs. For those of you that don't speak toddler, that means about an hour and a half. So there you go. That's the translation of that. Okay, so uh, she packed her little bag, and I looked in her bag before we got on the plane because I wanted to be sure she didn't pack any pocket knives or anything in there. Not like she carried pocket knives around, but it's the one time you don't check that your kid's going to put something in there they shouldn't. However, what my daughter decided to put in her bag, she's not in here, and she doesn't have any idea that I'm telling this on her, which is probably good. I didn't get her permission before I did this. So anyway, I will... Um, pay for it later. Uh, she put in her bag a turned inside out wadded up dirty sock. She put a eraser that she had broken off of a pencil. It was a really cool hamburger eraser, but not the pencil, just the eraser that she broke off of it. And um, a DVD case with no DVD in it. And a chunk of doll hair. That one was kind of weird to me. It was a little concerning. I was like, okay. (laughs) Anyway, I took some of that stuff out and filled it with coloring books and markers and some, some things that would keep her entertained. So when we got to the hotel, uh, it was at a big, a big resort and out when we got into our room, when you look out our window and across the parking lot, was one of those big, tall swings that they pull uh, back and you lay on your stomach and you're like on an air mattress. And I don't know, that or a bed mattress or something. I don't know, some weird person that invented this thing anyway, probably from Oklahoma. And you pull this thing back <laughs> up like I don't know how many stories in the air and then they let it go and you go swooshing down. But as, okay, so... Riata sees that very first thing. She goes over to the window and she says, mommy, I want to ride that swing. I said, that's really great. (laughs) So every day she would go to the window and she'd say, mommy, can we ride that swing? And I would put her off and put her off and put her off. Well, then finally, the last morning, she said, mommy, it's the last day today. Can we go and ride that swing? And I said, honey, when the meeting is over today, we will see about it. Well, that, and for those of you who still don't know toddler talk, that is, I'm putting you off, but it's a big fat no. That's what that means. So I said, we'll we'll see about that. So uh, the meeting, we head into the final meeting, and I was ministering the final meeting. And before the meeting... I, she asked me again, she said, mom, when you're done, can we go ride that, that swing? And I looked at her and I said, honey, I just don't know if mommy can do that. And she looked at me and I said, honey, that scares my legs. I said, I don't know if I can do that. And just as sincere and as real as she could be, she looked at me, she's standing right in front of me. She looks at me and she puts her little hands on my knees and she says, mommy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I believe you can do it, mom. What do you say to that? Yeah, that's a good one. So I said, okay, I will go find diapers and I will ride the swing if I have to. So I got done. I mean, I prayed 
And you guys, I kid you not, I got done praying and I did like this and I looked up and she is standing at the back of the room down the middle aisle. She's got her little bag that she packed her hamburger eraser and doll hair in and she's got my bag with all of my books, all of my stuff in it and she's standing at the back of the room, one on this shoulder, one on the other shoulder. She says, come on, mom. Dang it. She remembered. So... We went out and rolled the swing and what the, like as they're pulling you up, you see one story that's marked on the pavement, like a big line and it says one story. Then they pull you further back two stories. They pull you further back three stories. At that point, I closed my eyes because I'm not even, I'm not even going to pay attention to it anymore. They pulled the rope and I survived. I didn't pee my pants. The other people that were riding with me were super thankful for that. So I'm just throwing that in there. I didn't pee my pants when I rode the ride. It's impossible though. So that swing ride out of all of the things that I did while we were in Reno at that conference, the people that got saved, the people that got filled with the Holy Spirit, the people that got set free from stuff, all of that would have been a great story to come home with. But the story that stood out to me with my trip to Reno was getting to ride the swing with my daughter. And I feel like if I hadn't have done that with her, the story that I would have told coming home, it would have been an okay story. And I could have told about the ministry stuff that happened. But for me, the best part of my story in my trip to Reno was the memories that I made with my daughter. We sat in our bed and we had, you know, we would go get drinks and chips and we would take them up to our room. And then, of course, culminating in the big swing ride. And we just had a great time. So I came home with a story. Every person in here has a story. We all have a story to tell from the different parts of our life, the different pieces of our life, the different seasons of our life, the different experiences that we've been through. The journey that we have walked, the journey that you have walked is your story. But the um, perspective that you tell that story from will greatly affect the tone and the feeling and the emotion that is connected with that story. So the place that you tell the story from will affect how people feel, how you feel when you tell the story. Because here's the thing, is every single one of us has a past. Our past that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that he is victorious. Every one of us has a present. Every one of us is in this place right now. And because of Jesus Christ and his victory, you and I have the opportunity to have freedom today. And because of what Jesus did in the victory that he paid for us, our present is freedom. And then because of that, we have the opportunity for a hope and a promise for tomorrow. 
every single one of us has a past Jesus Christ victorious. Every single one of us is here today. We are in the present. We have freedom today, the opportunity for freedom. And every single one of us has hope and promise for the future. We all have that in common. But we can sit in the present and we can remember the past. We can have memories of the past and we can have dreams and hopes for the future. However, this place of the present where you sit right now is the only place that you can actively do something. This is the only place that you can act from, from this place where you're sitting right now in this moment, you can do nothing about the past and the choices and the actions that were made from the past. You cannot actively move mountains and you can't do anything in the future unless this place that you sit right now, you are engaging and acting with God. This is, this present place is the only place that you can do anything from. But too often we will sit in this place of the present and we will think on the past. We will be physically, you can be physically, how many of you know you can be physically somewhere, but actually not be present. You can sit in this place of the present and your mind and all of your thoughts can be consumed with the past. And you can be thinking of the seasons. You can be thinking of the opportunities missed. You can think on the hurt. You can think on the betrayal. You can think on the disappointments. Being here in the present in body, but your mind being totally pulled into the past through all of the could have, should haves, and would haves that drastically change the tone of your story. And as we sit in the present and we think on the past in all of the regrets. In all of the hurts, we totally lose our testimony. See, when we sit in this place of the present and our minds go to the past and we think of all of the times that we didn't have enough, we think of all of the times that we were afraid, we think of all of the times that it didn't happen when we thought that it should happen. We think on that and we put our focus on that and it completely shuts down our testimony. Every person in here has a story and your story is your testimony, your testimony. It's a story of you. That's your testimony. I encourage you. Well, okay, let me just, let me, wait, wait, wait. The greatest enemy of our testimony is to sit in the present with our thoughts in the past and to see no victory in it. 
the greatest enemy of your testimony is to think on your past with no victory in it. See, everybody in here has a past. Everybody in here has things. Everybody watching has things that you've done, that you've thought about, that you wish you would have done. And when we think on those things and we let our mind be consumed with those things, it shuts down our testimony. But here's what you need to know sitting in this place of the present is that God wastes nothing. God wastes nothing. So no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your choices were, I don't care if it was addiction. I don't care if it was, I'm going to tell you this. I don't care what it was. God doesn't care what it was. He wastes nothing. No part of your past is wasted when Jesus is victorious. Amen. Romans 8:28 says, "And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose." So here's what I'm going to say is if you're sitting here and you remember that and you think, because this is another one that we used to teach our kid, God's works all things to the good for those who see, we want to say that God works all things to the good, but here's the part that we forget is that he works all things to the good for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. If you are the called according to God's purpose, shoot your hand up in the air right now. Every hand in here should be up. Every hand watching should be up. You are called by God and everything that he does, everything that you've walked through, God takes all of it and he works it for the good. But we can quote that scripture when we're right in the middle of it in the present. But what if we take that scripture that God takes all things and works them for the good? What about the past where Jesus was victorious on the cross for us? What if we started to believe that God takes all all the things from our past, the things that we regret, the things that shame wants to talk to us about, the things that speak defeat to us in the present. And we say, no, no, no. God takes all things and turns them for the good for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. And what that means is if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. As you sit in the present, if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. Whatever your past has in it, who would be so silly as to limit God to the box of your past? When we say it like that, you think, well, that's dumb. But we do it in our minds all the time, right? To sit in the present with thoughts in the past of defeat produces feelings of shame and of regret of guilt of condemnation. Ooh, the room gets really heavy when we just start seeing those words, the room just gets heavy, but here is the thing that will silence your testimony every time. Shame will silence your testimony. Testimony is unreleased power when it is left unspoken and remains buried under shame. Your testimony is one of the greatest powers, but yet oftentimes our testimonies go 
unspoken because they're buried under years of thoughts of shame. I love one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. I don't know, have you guys ever heard a preacher get up and say, this is one of my least favorite scriptures in the Bible. I really hate this one. I've never heard anybody say that. So when I say one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, I always think I've never said this one is my least favorite. But when your kids use it on you, that one, at that moment, it becomes your least favorite. But one of my favorite scriptures from the Bible is out of Revelation 19.10. And it's just at the end of that verse right there. And it says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I remember reading that for a long time and I was like, oh, that's so good. But I have no idea what that means. (laughs) But that's cool. Like, I really want to understand that, but I don't know what that means. The testimony, the story, the story of Jesus The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Our future. That's where our prophecies sit. That's where the things that God wants to write on our hearts, the the scriptures, the words that have been spoken to us, the things that we sing about in worship. We're not just singing words, we're prophesying. We're speaking into the air. We're speaking things forward. I can only be present and act from here, but this is the place right here where I declare the promises of God into the future. This is the place right here where I speak the things that I've read in my Bible, where I speak the things that have been spoken to me by spiritual people who believe in God in my life, right here is where I declare. How many of you remember that we are in the year, the decade of declaration? When we started 2020, we stepped into the decade of declaration. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a message that I preached once. I don't, it was at the end of 2019. If you want to know, send me an email and I'll find it for you. Anyway, from there is where we extend from the present, where we are right now is where we extend into the future in hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's out here. We don't see it yet. If you see it, you don't have to have faith for it. You don't have to have faith for the chair that you're sitting. See, every time I sit down, I'm like checking to make sure that the stool is there because like I need to be sure that I don't miss it because I have faith that it's going to be there. Hebrews tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here in this present, where I am right now, I have the faith of God on the inside of me, and I am hoping, I am praying, I am declaring, I am testifying of things that I haven't seen yet. Because it's in the future. The future. But if the greatest enemy of your testimony is shame, the greatest enemy of your prophecies is fear. Fear is to imagine, to think on a future without God in it. Defeat wants us to think of a past without victory in it, fear wants us to think on a future without God in it. 
in this place where we sit. See, the enemy will come at you in the present. He will come at you. How many of you know he comes in the nighttime? I don't know what it is about the nighttime. I do. But that's when you come awake and all of these things are running through your mind. What if? What if? What if? And I would almost guarantee you 99.9% of the time, those what ifs have nothing to do with God. And they're whispered to you in a season and in a place where you are alone and where you are vulnerable and you don't have people around you to remind you the victory of God. So we sit in the present and we think on a future and God's not in it. And when we think on this future without God in it, we lose our prophecies. We lose the things that have been spoken to us. We lose the things that have been written for us in the scriptures. All of, all of that you're sitting, you're sitting here right now, you're listening, and you're thinking, well, I don't have any prophecies. This whole book is a prophecy about your life. This is not just some book like with a, a whole a whole lot of words. When you look at it, you're like, that's a lot of words. Especially when you first start reading it. And the pages are so thin. There's so many of them. <laughs> and the writing is so small. And you read Genesis. And you're like, I don't get it. So if you're reading your Bible for the very first time, if you're just starting reading the Bible, I'm going to tell you something. Start in John, which is in the New Testament. If you go to the New Testament, that's the second part of your Bible. It's broken into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if you're brand new at reading the Bible, start in John. I know that's really weird, right? You want me to start in the middle? Yes, because... You are connecting with Jesus Christ through John. And John was Jesus' best friend. So if I wanted to know what about you and I wanted to know all about you, I could ask your best friend. John was Jesus' best friend. So if you want to talk to someone who knew about Jesus, talk to John. So start reading in the book of John. Okay, I got off on all of that. Defeat says there's a past with no victory in it. And fear says that there's a future and God's not in it. But here's what Psalm 46, 1 and 2 says. It says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. What he's saying is God is a present help. If you want God's help, you got to be present. You got to be here. If you don't want to have fear, you've got to call upon God because he is a refuge. He is a place of shelter. He is a safe place in a storm for you to go to when the wind is blowing hard, when the doubt is trying to come, when the regret is trying to talk to you, when the shame is trying to talk to you, and when fear is trying to talk to you. Where is God? He is a very present help. Therefore... We will not have fear of the future. When you want God's help, you get into the presence. Several weeks ago, I got up on a Saturday morning after a particularly restless night. It was one of those night times where God 
is talking, but I'm not listening. And thoughts are running through my head of what if and what is the future going to look like? And what if that? And has this already passed? Is it too late for that? My mind was racing into the future in fear. And I was thinking of all of the things that I had procrastinated doing and not done because I wasn't exactly sure how to do it. And I was wrestling with, with shame of not doing certain things that I felt like I should have done. So I got up and I got around and I was going to a funeral that morning. And it was a beautiful drive and I just turned on worship music and I was driving and just rehearsing the, the restlessness of the night. And all of a sudden my thoughts were interrupted. And I very clearly heard, when you are separated from me, you are separated from your purpose. I was like, well, okay, wait a minute. God, I'm on the road. I cannot write that down. And when I say I heard God, sometimes people say, well, how do you hear God? I hear him in here. And I know it's God because most of the time he says things that are way more intelligent than stuff that I would say. So I'm like, dude, I totally know that was God because I would have never come up with that like that. Right. I was like, okay, I would have never come up with that. But it oftentimes it sounds like your own voice. And a lot of times people will mistake God for just, well, I was just thinking this, but I want you to ask yourself, were you really smart enough to come up with that? Or was that God? Okay. That's one of my tests. So I think I know that that was God. Another way that I know that it's God is because it always brings peace to me and it brings me into the present. He's like, whoa, 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 little girl, daughter, come back. <laughs> You're getting way out there. Come back. So I was focusing on that. And, and over the past several months, probably since this whole quarantine thing started, God's been teaching me the art of lingering. I'll talk to you about that another time. But I've been lingering in that. When you're separated from me, you're separated from your purpose. And I was asking God, what is my purpose? God, what is my purpose? What do you want me to see about my purpose? And what I finally rested on is that my purpose can only be found in the present. And when my mind is caught up, and shame and guilt and regret from the past. And I'm thinking on a past with no victory in it. And when my mind is filled with fear and anxiety and doubt and worry, I'm thinking on a future with no God in it. But when I am present with him, when I am in the moment with him, I am in my purpose. Because this is the only place that I can act from. This is the only place that I can encounter God from. This is the only place that I can experience God from. So if a testimony left unspoken is great power buried under shame, prophecy Unspoken is great power buried under fear. We cannot allow the prophecies that have been spoken over our lives to be left under the dirt of fear. To be left of thinking of a future without God in it. 
My, we, we talked a few months ago about having a walk-up song, your anthem. And I wanted everybody to have an anthem. My anthem right now is a song that I just can't get enough of. And he says in this song, he says, you've been nothing but good. Nothing but good to me. You've been nothing but kind. You've been nothing but kind to me. All of my days, all of my life, you've been faithful all my life. You've been nothing but good. Nothing but good to me. And that is where I find my purpose with God. Because I think on all of the victory, all of the times that God has been faithful in my past. And I want you right now, I want you to think of all of the times. And you might be thinking, yes, but I never have enough for my bills. But you're still here. Yes, but I remember the time that the doctor said this to me and I was so scared. But you're still here. I remember when this person left and walked out on me and I was so hurt, but you're still here. And if it's not good yet, God's not done yet because he takes all things. He takes all things and works them for the good for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. He's been nothing but good to me. See, God is preparing you in the present place for what you will walk into in the future. If you let him, he will take all of the things from your past and leverage them through your testimony to carry you into the future of where he's wanting you to go. Because God's already been there. How many of you know he's already walked out your tomorrow? He's already walked out your next year. He's already walked out the next 20 years. And he knows what you will need in that place. But he's already given it to you because he's already given you every spiritual gift and every spiritual blessing in the present. And he's teaching you how to use that so that you will be prepared for the future that he has for you. But if you are only thinking of a future without God in it, you're missing it. Because he's a very present help. He's here. He is here. And he's saying, I've already walked it out for you. Because the scripture tells us in Revelations that he is who was, who is, and who is to come. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. And we think of eternity stretching far out in front of us. But how many of you know, see, this is another thing that I was just lingering with God about, that eternity, if eternity is eternity and eternity goes forever, eternity goes as far forward as it does backwards. Have you ever thought about that? If eternity goes for forever, it goes forever that way and that way. Or that way and that way, if you're in Oklahoma, right? (laughs) Wherever Oklahoma is. So when we think about him working all things for the good, it goes as far back as it does forward. So your past is not exclusive and out of God's reach for good. Amen? This is... If you don't have this written down or in your pocket, 1 Timothy 1.18 in the Passion Translation says this, with this encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons 
as you wage spiritual warfare by faith. Use your prophecies as weapons. See, we don't, we don't have to sit in this present place and wonder what's going to happen and how are things going to turn out and, and what if this and what if that because we have prophecies. And some of you, those of you that are saying, well, I don't have any prophecies. And I said, you've got the Bible. Start reading it. And I'm not trying to be a smarty pants when I say that, but for real. Okay. The other thing, why do you come to church? It's to be around people that are going to speak life to you. Why do we have worship nights? Last night we had worship night and we all got prophecies spoken over us. When we have a worship night, if you don't have any prophecies, come to worship night. You'll go home with a whole pocket full of them. It's amazing. Get around people that will speak life to you. Why do we have a prayer team? I'm going to tell you something. Some people think, well, I don't have anything like super wrong, so I can't go and talk to the prayer team. If you want a prophecy, go talk to the prayer team. They're going to declare the word of God over you. If you want a prophecy, listen to worship music, listen to godly music. And as you're singing, when we were singing this morning, we are prophesying, we are declaring God because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, the story of what Jesus has done, the victory of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus is the Holy Spirit in me breathing forward into my future that what Jesus did, he will continue to do and he will do again and he will do again and he will do again. So when I read about somebody being healed in my Bible, he will do it again. When I read about somebody being raised from the dead, he will do it again. When I read about someone who is unlovable, being loved and drastically changed, he will do it again. When I read about somebody who has just a broken past, he will do it again. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever that the testimony of Jesus in your life is the spirit of prophecy that speaks of what God has for you in the future because you have a future and God is in it. Yeah. So how could we do all of this and leave it sit? We cannot. You all know me. Can I tell you that I have been like jonesing since we have been in lockdown? Like whatever, that we cannot do activation together? (sighs) Here it is. Okay. Everybody in here, everybody in here has a past. That is one thing we all have in common. And you think there is nobody who will understand me. I've done this. I've done that. Uh, You know what I call? I call a big poo-poo on that because everybody's got stuff. Everybody got stuff. That's why we're at N3C because everybody got stuff. Okay. So here's what I'm going to say is if in your present place, If the thief continually comes to you in the nighttime, while you're driving, while you're in the bathroom, while you're sitting in conversation with somebody else and these random thoughts come into your mind, uh, man, you should have done this, man. What if they ever find about, out, 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 about, what if they ever find out about that? They won't love me. So here's what I'm going to say. If shame speaks to you. It is not you. It is not your voice condemning. It is a voice that is not yours. It doesn't belong to you and it's a lie. 
So here's specifically things that I want to call out. If there is shame that speaks to you because of addiction, if there is shame that speaks to you because of addiction from substances, from pornography, what? We're in church. Yeah, we are. And you know what? Shame wants to keep you silent and wants to keep you seated so that you walk out of here with the shame that you walked in with. So yeah, I'm calling pornography out. I'm calling sex addiction out. I'm calling um, that out. I'm calling promiscuity out. Let me tell you something. You are valuable. You are not a piece of meat and you are not to be given away. You are not to be handled like a piece of meat. I'm talking to my high schoolers back there. I want you to know you are not a piece of meat and you have a future and God loves you and whoever God has for you in your future wants every part of you. They don't want the sloppy leftovers from what everybody else has done. They want all of you. And I'm saying that to you too. You clap like, yeah, you high school kids. Yeah, you too. The shame, shame that comes from food addiction, shame that comes from not being able to quit smoking, shame that comes because you think that you're poor. Shame that comes because you don't drive a car that's pretty. Shame that comes because you're not wearing the brands that everybody else wears. Shame that comes because you lost your job during all of this mess. If shame speaks to you on any level, I want you to stand your feet right now. Stand your feet. And here's the thing is that there are a lot of things that are difficult and to go through a process sometimes to get broken off. But here's what I want to declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Shame lies and lives under you saying nothing. And the moment that you stood up, shame was broken off your life. The moment you stood up. So I want you to put your hand on your heart right now, and I want you to receive what I'm going to prophesy over you. And I speak to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And I say to you that you were bought and paid for with a really, really high price. The blood of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ paid for you so that you could walk in freedom, that you wouldn't hold your head down anywhere you go, so that you wouldn't feel second class in any room, so that you wouldn't doubt that you are loved in any condition and in any state, and that there is nothing that would be spoken to you that would cause you to feel any less, that you are a child of the Most High God, that your lineage is royalty, and that you are called a royal king and a royal queen, that you have a lineage, that you have have a bloodline of a king on the inside of you. You are valuable. You are loved. You are seen and you are worthy in Jesus name. In Jesus name. Shame is gone. Shame is gone. No more shame in Jesus name. You can be seated. Now here's the next one. To think on the future. Fear wants to keep you paralyzed and fear wants to keep your mouth shut. Fear wants to steal your dreams. Fear wants to steal your visions. Fear comes to say, well, that's just you. You can't really do that. 
So right now, if the voice of fear tries to talk to you, stand to your feet. Yeah. Hey, I'm double dipping today. I'm just telling you. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare to you what 2 Timothy says. So I want you to put your hand on your heart and I want you to receive this is your prophecy. So if you're, if you're the one of the people in here that say, well, I don't know if I have a prophecy. This, you go, go home and you, you look at this in your Bible because this is your prophecy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. You have fire on the inside of you. He goes on and he says this, for God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love and self-control. So never be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare that the chains of fear are broken in your life. That no longer will you think on a future. No longer will you dream of a future without God really, really big in it. I speak to your mind right now, the place where you think, the place where you process. And I say that any time thoughts of your future begin to form, that you will speak, God has already been there. God has already been there. He has walked through it and he has been nothing but good to me. He will continue to be good to me because he is always good to me. God, I trust you. Those of you that are struggling with that fear voice whispering at you right now, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. You are in my future. You are in my future, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You have a fire on the inside of you. Yes, you can be seated or you can stay standing. You can do whatever you like. You have a fire on the inside of you. And that fire in you is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, oh, he's so good. He's not it. He's not He's not the like out of control kid of the Trinity. Okay. Sometimes I kind of feel like he gets painted that way. You've got God who is stoic. You've got Jesus who has a lamb under his arm and then the Holy Spirit. He's like the black sheep. You know, you just don't know what he's going to do. Holy Spirit is so gentle and so kind, but he's also a fire and he wants to burn on the inside of you. So right now he says that you stir up what is on the inside of you through the laying on of hands. So right now, if you, just in the beginning of service, we said we're, we're opening our hearts to Jesus. So with Jesus in your heart, I am going to pray now for the Holy Spirit to be stirred up on the inside of you. God told me, he says, when you get ready to pray stuff for them, you need to tell them what you're going to do. Because if they are like, what are the, what, what? I didn't agree to that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit to be stirred on the inside of you. So if you would like to do that, 
Holy Spirit is not out of control. Holy Spirit is power. Holy Spirit is boldness. Holy Spirit is wisdom. Holy Spirit is direction. Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of God. That's the miracle that you and I, when we ask Jesus to come into our lives, do we get to have the Spirit of God on the inside of us? It's so, like, it's a miracle. Like, who can have anybody else's spirit in them? (laughs) Only us. That's why you're so special. So, if you would like the Holy Spirit to be stirred on the inside of you, I want you to put your hands on your belly right now. And this I am going to ask you to close your eyes, not because it's anything to be ashamed of, but very simply because I want you to be able to be still. And I want all distractions thinking about how cute that other person's shoes are, how cute that boy is. He'll be there when you open your eyes, I promise. So just close your eyes right now, and I want you to put your hands on your belly. That's where the Holy Spirit is, right there on the inside of you. Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, for every one of your children that you love so much with extravagant love, I pray and I declare Holy Spirit, stir up on the inside of them. Holy Spirit of love, stir up on the inside of your children. Breathe, Holy Spirit, into that place on the inside of them where your spirit resides. And I pray that those of you that had that little ember in there that you think, well, maybe right now, Holy Spirit, blow on that ember and light a flame. Father, that some would feel actual heat in their bellies just because you're that good. And God, that people would feel loved, that they would actually experience love right now in Jesus' name. Those of you watching at home, love in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, hope, a confident expectation on the inside of every one of your children. And right now, as you sit with your eyes closed, stay right where you're staying. But I want you to prophesy, to declare over yourself. I want you to say this, Holy Spirit, stir on the inside of me. I am filled to overflowing with the beautiful fire of God. I am filled because he loves me. Holy Spirit, just fill them up. For those of you who have already been filled with the Holy Spirit, I pray for a fresh outpouring over you right now. I pray that the days that have been long, the struggles, fresh water on you right now, fresh outpouring, fresh love, fresh fresh hope. Just a revived hope on the inside of you right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.